Comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise?
praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. With this note of praise, I want to welcome you to Hal Brady Ministries. We thank you for joining us, and we trust that this message and program will be a blessing to you. Welcome. Now I'm going to read from our scripture lesson from 1 Samuel chapter 13, beginning at verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him to be ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Not long ago, I finished reading Carol Burnett's book, This Time Together, and enjoyed Carol's reflections. In my younger days, Carol and her two sidekicks, Harvey Corman and Tim Conway, brought us a world of laughs on her television program, The Carol Burnett Show. That show lasted for 11 seasons, and it won 25 Emmy Awards. In the book, Carol describes Harvey Corman this way. She says, I've always felt that it's a wise thing to play tennis with somebody better than yourself because they make you better than you are. And that's the way I feel about Harvey Corman as an actor. He makes me a better actor and everybody around him better actors. And then she referred to Tim Conway. She said, people are always asking me what Tim is like. And she said, he's the sweetest, most thoughtful person I know. But then she said, he's also a nut. Now those were great compliments. But perhaps the greatest compliment ever given to an individual was given to David, and it was spoken by Samuel to an unfaithful Saul. This is what Samuel said to Saul. You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Would you be surprised that I told you that more has been written about David in the Old Testament than any other character? Do you realize that, as one man put it, there are 14 chapters dedicated to Abraham, about the same amount to Joseph, 11 chapters are dedicated to Jacob, 10 to Elijah, but do you have any idea how many chapters in the Old Testament are dedicated to David? 66 chapters, and that's not counting the 59 references to David in the New Testament. Now, since David was specifically called a man after God's own heart, we might think that he was a saint, a kind of perfect person, but we know he really wasn't because we remember what happened between he and Bathsheba. He committed a horrible sin against Bathsheba. He confessed his sin and repented and was forgiven, but he still dealt with that sin all of his life. So God didn't choose David because he was a perfect individual. Now I want you to hear this. God is not looking for perfect people because he knows there are no perfect people. God is not looking for people that are holier than thou. 
God is looking for ordinary people like you and me who would be willing like David to allow God to work his miracle in their lives. So let me ask you a question. What are some of the qualities that David possessed that God was and is looking for today? What are some of the qualities of a person after God's own heart? The first quality is spirituality. Spirituality. In the comic strip Peanuts, Charlie Brown was talking to Linus. He was bemoaning the fact that he has a chronic inability of ever doing what people want him to do. And so he says to Linus, it all started at my birth. They took a look at me when I showed up on earth, and they simply said, he's not right for the part. How many times when we talk about spirituality that most of us feel we're not right for the part? Not long ago, I read a front-page newspaper story entitled, Young Adults Less Devoted to Faith. A poll of 1,200 millennial generation people between the ages of 18 and 29 were polled about their faith. They found that not many of these people had any faith whatsoever. As a matter of fact, 68% of them, when asked what was the most important thing in life, did not refer to faith or spirituality or religion or anything like that. It would seem that many people feel that they are not right for the part. But notice the text says, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. What does it mean to be a person after God's own heart? It means to be a person who is open to God's will and God's purposes in his or her life. It means to be a person who if something is important to God, it's important to them. If something is troubling to God, it is troubling to them. That's what it means. In other words, if you are a spiritual person, you are sensitive to the things of God. Sensitive to the things of God, living away from the shadows. What is God looking for in a person of spirituality? God is looking for someone who is wholeheartedly dedicated to Him. Wholeheartedly living away from the shadows. There was a well-known minister that said not long ago, he said he came upon the fact that he was a beast. He said this was the situation. He said he was riding down a two-lane road that was going to end in a one-lane road. He said he was riding in the lane that was going to end. A lady beside him was riding in the lane that was going to continue. He said he felt like that he needed to get there before she did because his schedule was more important than hers. He said, after all, he was a man, an ambassador for peace. So he said he gunned his motor and he took off. At the same time, she gunned her motor and took off. And when they got to the place where the two lanes went into one, she was still a fender ahead. So he gruffy and puffy pulled back and let her go ahead. And just as he was getting ready to dim his lights, suddenly a sinister idea came to him, and he said he had no control over it, but he decided to leave his bright lights on. He put a little high beam in her rearview mirror. Well, he said she retaliated. She was mean. She started going about 15 miles an hour, and it didn't matter to her if the whole city was late. She was going to keep on going 15 miles an hour. So that's the way they did. She went 15 miles an hour, and he kept a beam in her rearview mirror. They were like two donkeys. But he said, finally, lo and behold, they came back to a, a place where the single lane went back into two. And so here they were, stopped at a red light side by side. 
He said at that point something marvelous happened and something bad happened. He said the marvelous thing was she waved at him. The bad thing was you wouldn't want to imitate her wave. So what is God looking for? God is looking for someone who is wholeheartedly his. That minister said for those 15 minutes he was horrible. He wasn't what God was looking for. So being sensitive to the things of God means living away from the shadows. It also means being prayer receptive. You know, somebody said that the big problem in the world today is not that our beliefs have decayed, it's that we have lost the ability to be silent. We have lost our silence. Consequently, we've become confined to ourselves. Do you know the game of football is not action all the time? There's that little prayer meeting they have behind the line when they huddle to get their plays before they go into action. That's what we need. We need a huddle where we can huddle up with the quarterback and with God before we go out to perform our actions in the world. I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. I'm out of range. There's a lot of static. I'm out of range. Now, if we have a cell phone, we know that's true, and often we have said that. Well, when we get out of range with a cell phone, we don't throw the phone away. What do we do? We try to scamper to a place where the, it all clears up again, where we can hear and where we can talk. Well, if we're prayer receptive, it will enable us to be in a place where God can bring about His things in our lives. We can become sensitive to God. And then to be available to others. If we're sensitive to God, we are available to others. How many times are we actually with people when we are not present to them? How many times are we with people when we are not present to them? That happens to all of us at times. You remember the movie Dead Man Walking? You remember Matthew Poncelet? He was on death row because of kidnapping and killing and raping. There was a Catholic spirit named Helen Prejean. She was a wonderful Catholic woman. She came and ministered to him on death row. She made herself available to him. And in the process of the conversation, she said, Matthew Poncelet, you are a son of God. Immediately he began to cry. He said, I have heard many times people call me a son of, a son of, a son of, you know this. But he said, nobody ever called me a son of God. He said, thank you for loving me. So what is it that God is looking for? God is looking for someone who is wholeheartedly His. A wholeheartedly His. And then the second quality, which characterizes a person after God's own heart, is humility. Not long ago, my wife and I went to a banquet in Atlanta called Heroes and Legends. They were honoring one of our friends. Basically, the banquet was where the doctors who were working on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease at Emory were raising money for their research. One of the doctors said one night he was called upon to introduce Muhammad Ali, and he introduced him as a great fighter, the greatest fighter. But when Muhammad Ali responded, he said, of all time, the greatest fighter of all time. Now that's not humility, that's pride, but it's a cute story. The second quality which characterizes a person after God's own heart is humility. Now I want you to listen to this verse of scripture that comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16. 
The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now one man said that what was going on here was that God had traveled incognito to Jesse's house. He went as a spirit. Jesse didn't know he was there. God was on a surveillance mission. He was trying to find him a king. And he did find him a king, a young man by the name of David. Now the question comes up, why did God choose David? His brothers were more stately in appearance and also in their kingmanship. So why did he choose David? He chose David because David was a man who had a wholeheartedness toward God. He was a man who was humble. He was a man who had a servant's heart. So God chose David because he had a servant's heart. He was humble. And when you get right down to thinking about it, Jesus also told us about the importance of humility and an humble heart. You remember what he did? He picked up a, a little child, and he put the child in the midst of the disciples. And he said, Whoever shall humble himself as this little child shall be the greatest in the kingdom of God. On another occasion, Jesus was sitting at the Last Supper. He was sitting with his disciples. And you remember he got up, picked up a towel in a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. When he came to Peter, Peter said something like this. He said, no, no, you can't wash my feet. Jesus said, if you won't let me wash your feet, you are none of mine. What Jesus was saying is that the top is not nearly as important as the towel. Beloved, we need to understand that. The top is not nearly as important as the towel. But the greatest way Jesus demonstrated his, his humility was when he willingly gave up his eminence. In other words, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, I want to share something with you that comes out of Paul's letter to the Philippians. I want us to see how his eminence went down, how the downward trend from his eminence First, Christ Jesus existed in the form of God. Second, did not clutch equality with God. Third, emptied himself. Fourth, took the form of a slave. Five, became a man. Six, humbled himself. Seven, and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. As Paul reminds us, Jesus emptied himself so he could lift us up later. Helen Keller was once talking to the Tennessee legislature, and he said, when I was young, I wanted to do great things, but she said, I realized I couldn't. She said, I finally realized that I would just do small things in a great way. Isn't that a marvelous way to put it? Just doing small things in a great way. We are never too big to do some small things. The second quality which characterizes a man after God's own heart is the quality of humility. The third quality which characterizes a person after God's own heart is a faithfulness in little things, a faithfulness in little things. Now, isn't it amazing that David was picked as the king? He was anointed as the king, but he didn't lose his grip. He didn't go berserk. Imagine what he could have done. He could have gone to the store and started looking for crowns. He could have put up a tent a sign in front of Jesse's tent that said, Home of the King-Elect. He could have gotten on the camel 
you know, took a trip on Camel One on a listening tour around the nation, and he could have been gaining great publicity that way. But what did he do? What did David do even when he knew he was going to be the king? He went back and took care of the little things. He was faithful in taking care of the little things. Remember now, he's the chief soloist of the palace choir. But what does he do? He goes back and he takes care of tending to the little things. This is one of the things that God is trying to get across to us in this passage of Scripture. God wants us to understand that if we are after his heart, we'll be faithful in taking care of little things. If we want to be people of great vision, we're going to have to cultivate the habit of taking care of little things. It's the way we do our daily assignments. It's the way we do our studying. It's the way we do our praying, the way we treat people around us day by day by day. J. Wallace Hamilton, who was the pastor during his lifetime of Pasadena Community Church in St. Petersburg, Florida, was considered one of the great preachers of the American pulpit. Lay people said they had never heard sermons as good as his. Dr. Hamilton was a challenge to preachers everywhere. Why was he this way? Remember, he was a young boy who grew up on a Canadian farm. He didn't go to college or seminary. He just had three years at Moody Bible Institute. And yet he went to a church of 46 people that was dead in the water. And while he was there, that church grew to 3,500 people. But he preached every Sunday to between 2,500 and 10,000 people. Bishop Gerald Kennedy was telling us why he thought Dr. Hamilton was one of the great American preachers. He simply said, hard work did it. He said every Monday morning through Friday, he would go into his study before dawn. He would stay there till 1 p.m., and nothing would pull him out except emergencies. He wrote out every sermon word for word. He felt like the message should not be proclaimed, but the message should be vitally important. In other words, the sermon should sing, and he made it sing. Why was he great? Hard work did it, because he was faithful in looking after little things. What is the test of my own ministry? It is not what happens here basically on Thursday nights, though this is vitally important. Nobody appreciates preaching any more than I do. And I believe that what we're doing here is a matter of life and death. This word is a matter of life and death to me and to you and to everybody within hearing distance. But what is the true test of my ministry? It's not what happens necessarily on Thursday nights. It's what happens the rest of the week in my study, in my praying, in hospital rooms, in homes where people are ill. It's trying to be faithful with emails and correspondence and all of these things. And do you know, if you really get down to it, why do we have so many marriages that we would say are golden or silver anniversary marriages? It's because those couples have taken care of the little things. Perhaps we can learn from this old song. Blow me a kiss across the room. Say I look nice when I'm not. Touch my hair as you pass my chair. Little things mean a lot. So what are the qualities of a person's after God's own heart? Spirituality, prayer, and a faithfulness in little things. Let us pray. Oh God, how thankful we are for every opportunity of gathering together. We're grateful for your word, proclaimed 
received, understood. We pray, O oh God, that that word sometimes, even though it's sharper than a two-edged sword, sometimes it's a very comforting word, but we pray that that word would become a living word in each of our lives. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be people after your own heart so that you can be pleased with what we're doing on your behalf. Forgive us of our sins. Grant us peace and patience, and we give you praise and glory. Amen. Thank you again for joining us tonight, and I hope that you'll continue to join us on this program. May God bless you and yours. This is the air I breathe. This is the air.